Amen. Give the Lord a hand, will you? Woo! Good night. That's a good song. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Good to see you here this morning. We're excited you ventured out in this cold, cold weather. We have a, a, a teen class here at Real Life, some, some great teenagers, and uh, they have platforms in which they're involved with that give them an opportunity to uh, just be able to reach some people for the Lord, and so we're excited about that. PJ was in a symphony this last week. Where's PJ? Raise, raise your hand out there. There you go. Go ahead and stand up. He was in a symphony hat, dressed all in a tux. It was really cool. And I didn't get to see him. I was in small group, but I'm just excited about his platform. Jordan, uh, she's a volleyball player. She's, a, um, I hate to say this, she outbeat her boyfriend. Just terrible. Jordan, stand up. She got all conference, all district, and all state in volleyball. Amen. So we're, we're pumped about her. But seriously, her boyfriend, Logan, great kid. Oh, we love this kid. Stand up. He uh, got all state and all district. We make fun of him all the time, but we love him. Good kid. And then this tall, tall, linky guy. Stand up there. He, he, this last week, he dunked over two guys, was it? Just, just bam. It's just fantastic. But again, the platform of these guys. And there's other teens here that we just praise God for. Doing a great job. I mean, these guys are faithful to what at nine o'clock nine fifteen or something to their class we just praise the lord for these kids just good good guys so anyway we're just excited about the future at uh, real life with these young kids we're going to do espresso sunday how many like an espresso shot you don't get coffee here huh? it's not one of those but uh, you know we get we go we get that extra shot to keep us going for the day about 10 o'clock you get, you get another shot just to get you going physically well this morning it's more of a spiritual shot, and that's what baptism, of course, is. Uh, we, we started out going to baptize nine, a uh, family here uh, of four, five, I, actually, I guess it was, uh, moved to the Hawkeye State. Now, who would do that? What? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, brother. But uh, move, uh, move there to uh, get a job and be with the, closer with their kids and stuff, so... Uh, uh, but so we're going to baptize three this morning. The weather stopped another kid from coming. I guess down south, it's kind of snowing a little bit down there. But praise God, we did not get it. Yeah. Amen. Of course, if you get a duster here, it's over, right? <laughs> it's not like Nebraska. You get a foot of snow, you still have church. Amen. But uh, all right, so we're going to open your Bibles, if you will, to Psalms 139 as we be in just three quick thoughts as we get into this baptism. Um, going to start out this morning with just a thought that God is good. Simple stuff, God is good. Now when I say that, I'm just talking God is good no matter what your experience is right now. No matter what you're going through in life. We all have different ups and downs, right? Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. We're going through all of these emotions, but I want you to know that God is good in spite of that. The the reason we know that is because of his death. As we start out 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son. So God so loved the world. Now the world specifically speaks for you and for me. God loves you and me so much that he sent his son 
to die. Now, the purpose of dying on the cross was to pay for the sin of who? The entire world. First John chapter 2, verse 1 says, He is the propitiation. And of course, that's a long word. It means just He's the payment for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sin of the world. Okay, so, so Jesus Christ died. Now, that, that'd be one thing if that's what He did, but He went further than that. He, God sent His Son to pay the sin debt. But then from that point on, God began to pursue us. It's one thing that he, he, he paid our sin debt, but then from that point on, he pursues people to have that relationship with him. He hunts people down. I'm saved because he pursued me so many years ago. Amen. He came after me. And, and now that I'm his child, he's still pursuing me to have this intimate relationship with him. He's always on me to have that devotion, that intimate time where it's just him and I. Just, just right here, that intimate relationship. He's pursuing me. But he's also pursuing you. If you're saved here this morning, it's because God pursued you. It's not because of something great that you did, something, something you've done. It's God pursued you. He went after you. He hunted you down. And then he found you. He hunted you down because of his spirit who opened your eyes to the truth or through the church, through an individual that came after you to show you the gospel. So he, he, he's good because of his death for us, but also because he pursued us. I'm, I want to look at these verses in Psalms just to talk a little about, about how wonderful he is. In Psalm chapter 39, 139, verse 1, it says this. And I didn't put anything on the screen because I just wanted just to be us this morning. All right, just, just us. So open your Bibles or look at your phones. Uh, it says, oh, oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. <laughs> when some people know everything about you, what do they do? They run, right? When they know the intimacy about your heart and everything, they run. But God, in spite of that, pursued us. Okay, see, so you know everything about me, verse 2. You know when I sit down, when I stand up, you know my thoughts even when I am far away. You see me when I'm traveling. You see me at rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say. Now listen to this before I even say it, Lord. Verse 13. You made all my delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. In other words, he's the one that put you together. He formed you when you were being developed in your mother's womb. Now listen to this. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. Now David looked at himself. He looked at his eyes and how they function, the brain, the hands, the whole body. He saw the body and he literally was stunned by the miraculous, the miraculous power of God to be able to do this. It says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. And as I was woven together in darkness in my mother's womb, you saw me before I was even born. Now notice this. Every day of my life was recorded in the book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That's fantastic. God knew exactly. He was involved in everything. Then it goes on, verse 17. How marvelous are your thoughts about me, O God. 
one of my favorite passages. How marvelous are your thoughts about me, O Lord. God literally has thoughts about you. Now, if we begin to think about that and we compare them to our thoughts about other people, they could be pretty bad, right? And that's instantly what we're thinking because of our self-esteem, that God looks at us and we're so unworthy, we're such a mess that he looks at us and he's judging us. But, but notice what it says. Okay, to help us out, he says, how precious, the word precious means valuable, it means praise, are your thoughts about me. So they're fantastic thoughts, they're not the bad thoughts, they're fantastic. When God looks at you, he doesn't just constantly judge you, he looks at you and of course he sees the righteousness of Christ and he, he just loves you, he, he just values you. And that's his thoughts. Now, it's just not every now and then. Let's do this. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They are numbered like the grain of the sea. So, in other words, God is constantly thinking about you. And he's constantly thinking about great thoughts. You ever been in a church where they're up there and they're just preaching? It's just constantly pound, 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 pound. You, I mean, just constantly. How many have ever been in a church like that? That's it? Because most of you, this is the first church you've ever been in? Amen. All right. Okay, so, so they're not really preaching the truth. The Bible says God so loved the world. Yes, we are sinful, but he sent his son because he wants this relationship with us, and he loves us as sinners. Okay, so it just boggles my mind that God even just thinks of me. And not just thinks of me, he's constantly thinking of me how many think that's fantastic okay so god is good but god is also merciful lamentations i want you to look at this verse or just uh listen to this verse in lamentation a couple of verses of course lamentation is jeremiah the weeping prophet it says this yet i was yet i still dare to hope when i remember this so he's, he's saying, he's saying I, I have hope i have confidence i know there's a there's a great future when i think of this what does he think of verse 22 the faithful love of the lord never ends his mercy his kindness never cease and that's what i want to zero on in just a moment his mercies never cease great is your faithfulness his mercies begin afresh every morning. In other words, his kindness never runs out. Never runs out. It's new and fresh. First, it never ceases. So all day long, it doesn't stop. His kindness, and then in the morning, it's refreshed. Every morning, I say to myself, this is fantastic. David's looking in the mirror. And he's preaching to himself. He says, even though you've messed up, God's goodness, his kindness never stops. Never. Oh, Lord, my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in you. Kindness. Kindness. Mercy. Our our DNA here at Real Life, we pretty well know what it's about. It's about Helping people find and follow Jesus. You've heard it over and over. It's, a, it's about reaching people and helping them find Jesus, begin a relationship, and then help them follow the Lord. We just figured, hey, if this is what Jesus came for, we might as well do the same thing, amen? 
I mean, Jesus came to do seek and to save that which is lost. The father said, I send my son to seek and to save what is lost. Then he said to his disciples, he said, as the father has sent me, so send I you. So our DNA, as we have seen, is about seeking and helping people find the Lord. Follow the Lord. Now, how do we know if we're following the Lord? Help people find and helping people find. How do we know that we're following the Lord? How do we know? Jesus said in, in Matthew four nineteen, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. How many are here this morning? Okay, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So how you know that you're following the Lord is that you're fishing, right? Fishing for men. So I just want to say this morning, as we think about the goodness of God and the kindness of God, and that you guys, real life, is doing a fantastic job of following the Lord. Fantastic. How? Because our goal this year was 75 people get saved, right? That was our goal. We, we, and how many have been counting every time? So we, well, you keep coming up to me and saying, how many, how many, how many saved? How many saved? Right at this point, we have 42. Can I hear an amen? 42 people this year have trusted Christ. So we're a little bit short, but we still have Christmas Eve. Amen? We still have a couple services left. But, but, but this is you. Okay? This is us. Real life church, you have been able to reach out there and invite people and bring people to Christ. So you're actually fulfilling the mission that God has sent us. And I believe that because, now listen very carefully, because of your faithfulness and because of your endeavors to help people find and follow Jesus, God has opened up a new fishing hole. All right. How, how many go to the fishing home when you can't fat, catch fish, you change bait, right? You change a bait and you get frustrated. And then you go to a new fishing home and all of a sudden, boom. How many have ever caught a big bass? I've never done that before. But what I hear is fantastic. When you're fishing on, on the top and that bass comes up and wham. Is that pretty exciting? That's like a, that's like a hole in one. All right. Amen. Okay, so, so I believe, now, I, I, I believe because you have been faithful at fishing where you're at, God has opened up a better fishing pond. Now, on the south side, there's some great churches down here. Can I hear an amen? Great churches, but there's a lot of churches. Up north, when it comes to churches, what do we hear? A bunch of crickets, am I right? But God is moving us up there, not, not for a building. Can I hear an amen? It's for fish. It's for people. God has trained us and, and got us ready where he wants us. And then he opened an opportunity that we can go north and actually reach more people for Christ. God, I believe it's just of the Lord. How many agree with that? Right? How many believe we're making a, de- a stupid decision going north? <laughs> You'll get mugged around here, baby. My son, my son raises in. Okay. Okay. 
But the point is, we've got to keep our focus on people. Okay? The building is fantastic. It really is. It's, it's a great building. It's huge. I appreciate all of you that went out yesterday and did all the painting. If you didn't get asked, there was probably a reason. Okay? <laughs> I didn't get asked. I'm not a painter. Somebody else is not a painter. So, you know... We will ask when, when it comes to other things what would get you out there. But some said they were painters, and we just praise the Lord. But, but it's a great, it's a big, 25,000 square feet. And so God has blessed us with this fabulous building. Now, this is the eighth church that we've been involved in starting, okay? And we built three buildings and did two, reven- two taking a, a, a storefront and redoing it. And... Uh, what happens is this, all right? Just go through this again so you understand. Because we're coming down to the wire. Two more services? That's it. Christmas Eve up there, and then from that point on, we're there. So in every building, every started church, you get, you get a handful of people, and then about three to four to five years in, you start saving money for a building campaign, right? Where you raise money to buy a piece of property. Then you buy a piece of property, then you put that property up, and then you build the building yourself. Okay, well, we have builders come in and help us, and then we, we just jump in and do it ourselves. By the time you're done, it's eight to nine years, and you're in debt, okay? You're in debt when it's over. You're about 700000 if you did it yourself. If you don't do it yourself, it's $1.4 million. That was our last building that we built, okay? $1.4 million. We only owed about 700000 or 600000 something like that, at the end of the process, but they're still paying for it, okay? Years later. Okay, what God has done for you, and I believe it's because of your faithfulness and your goodness uh, of focusing on people, helping them find, and and we're still working on the following, discipling. Uh, uh, We're excited about Shane jumping into that place. But I mean, that's that's where we're at. And I believe because we're faithful here, God has opened the door, allowed us to jump ahead of that process. Are you seeing that? Jump ahead where I'm not coming to your door asking for you to give money every week for the building campaign. How many are excited about that? Woo-hoo. Just get money for my salary. Amen. <laughs> okay. We, we, we've literally jumped ahead. It's like we're 10 years in the ministry. Only for people and their salvation. So that they can have a bu- eternal life and then that they can have abundant life here. I mean, it, it, God, it's all God. That's my point. God is good, and he's kind, and he consistently blesses real-life church, as long as we continue to focus our eyes. You don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to go to Mexico. You don't have to go to India to be involved in a mission field. This is a mission field right where we're at. How many people attend church in in in? Springfield on a given Sunday, every given Sunday, there's probably 17 to 18 percent that attend church in this area, in all of Springfield. So my point is there's a great opportunity out there. God is good. And if you look, you look behind the scenes of all this working, and now you can't see it, you only see the face, but behind the scene, there's some fabulous things that are taking place. Little things that just blow your mind. And then others are big things. I mean, God is literally, he's moving people out of the way to allow real life to move forward. He's moving people, and then he's putting people in place. He's moving people, and it reminds me of of the sovereignty of God in the day of the Lord when he 
when he prophesied that he was going to be crucified. Well, how did, how did he know? He brought the kings and the Roman government, which actually practiced crucifixion. He brought them into place specifically for that time. In the perfect time, Jesus Christ was born. In the perfect time, real life was brought forth. For this moment, lift up your head, look on the fields, for they are white, ready to harvest. And, and all of us are involved. Hear it, amen? All of us. So God is good. He is full of mercy that never stops. And it's really huge, huge blessing. Number three is God is worthy. God is worthy. This brings us to our baptism this morning. He is worthy to simply follow. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our adoration. But sometimes those are just words. Before those, we need to follow. He's worthy of our following. And if we're following, then the worship and then the adoration really takes place. But if we're not following, we just do this, which a lot of times, that's us. Can I hear an amen? That, that, that's, we, just, we just say it with our words, but we're not, really not following. He's worthy of our following. What other cause should we give ourselves to? What other cause is out there that's worthy of us giving ourselves to? Feeding the poor? Well, that's huge, isn't it? Huge. A great cause that we should be involved with. But that only helps for a moment. But it's valuable. But what we have helps for eternity. See the difference there? We're not helping just for a moment. We should help for the moment, but we should also help for eternity. Because when a person gets saved and receives Jesus Christ, their name's written down the book of the Lamb's Book of Life, and they are born in God's family, and they have eternal life. That moment. What greater cause? How about, how about fighting for our country? Fantastic cause. Amen? We need to fight for our country. We need to get out there and die. I mean, what cause is greater than fighting for our country? We should, we should get out there and fight for our freedoms. But fighting for somebody else's freedom after we've enjoyed freedom, that's what it's all about. Eternal freedom. Freedom from hell, freedom from Satan, and freedom from the world. I mean, when we help a person and we show them the salvation, the plan of salvation, that frees them from all of that. What greater cause? I, I remember a movie um, that I was watching several years ago. It's called The Patriot. How many remember the movie? It's, it's just too bad it had that name attached to it, though. Amen? I mean, why Patriot? Could have come up with any kind of name. I'm sorry back there. I know you're Patriot fans. Huh? Amen. Okay, so, how many, or seriously, how many seen that movie? There's a scene where the, the oldest son is uh, t- reminding his dad over and over, is there not a cause? And I remember being at, we were in Florida the first time I seen this, and Judy was doing something, so she probably worked while I was watching the movie. And, and I, w- I began bawling, thinking about the cause. Is there not a cause? And I wasn't thinking about the movie. 
I was thinking about the cause of Christ. And at the very end, when he lost both of his sons, I mean, both of his sons in that war, and he gave up. And he was stuffing the flag that his son had sold together into the saddlebags. And as he was stuffing it in, he just looked at it and he remembered his son's word. Is there not a cause? Fantastic. Fantastic stuff. So I ask you, is there not a cause? What greater cause could we give ourselves to? The Bible says this. What should a profit a man if he should gain the world and yet lose his soul? What does a man give in exchange for his soul? Let me, st- go take, let me take it a step further. Okay? We won't give nothing for our soul. Our soul and our eternity is valuable to us, and that's why we're here this morning. We want to be with God. But, but what would a man give in exchange for his soul? But what would a man give in exchange for someone else's soul? What would a man give in exchange for someone else's soul? What are you willing to give, not financial, I'm talking, what, what are you giving yourself to for another man's soul? See, we are believers and we get wrapped up in all kinds of stuff. I mean, we do. We get wrapped up in football, golf, fishing. I mean, you name it, we get wrapped up in it. And we give ourselves to these things, which is okay because it, it, we, we need those things. That, that's on the priority of the five priorities. That's one of the big ones. We need rest. We need entertainment. We need to get away. But what about, what about reaching, giving ourselves to a cause greater than ourselves? And as we think about God is good and, and God is merciful and God is worthy. He is worthy. His cause of reaching people for himself. That's a cause that all of us can rally behind and do. Amen. We can, we can rally behind that cause of reaching people. And I just want to say this morning, you guys are doing a fantastic job. Fantastic. You're on board with this. Re, how, how to uh, helping people find and follow Christ. And so I just want to say this morning how grateful I am for real life. And you're rallying behind. Not just preaching doctrine. Not just doing, you know, doing all these other things. But literally caring about people that are hurting. And you have a heart for the Lord. Okay? You have a heart. Following. That brings us to baptism. Okay? So baptism, we're going to baptize three this morning. Okay? Um... Uh, basically, baptism is a picture of the Lord and His death, burial, and His resurrection. When a person when a, when a person steps into the water this morning, and they go back, it's a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But it's also an identification. Listen very carefully. It's an identification of that person with Jesus' death, with Jesus' burial, and with Jesus' resurrection. Basically, they're identifying that they are now a child of God. The baptism does not save, does not wash away sin, okay? What they did before that, where they received Jesus Christ as their Savior, they trusted in His blood for their payment for sin. When they were born in God's family, what this is, is a picture of now that I'm a child of God, 
And I'm publicly testifying to that fact. Hear amen. Fantastic stuff. I'm publicly identifying that I am a child of God and I'm serious about following Christ. Now, if you go back to the Anabaptists and you go back in our history, you find people died for baptism. They literally were put to death because I identified with Jesus Christ. I mean, it's fantastic stuff. So here, we just kind of take it lightly, but really what it is, I am now a child of God and I'm serious about this business of following Jesus Christ. So these guys are making this public statement and public testimony that they're going to follow the Lord. All right. So before we've always had a cold tank. Okay. But this morning, however, before I say anything, let me test this out. We have a cold tank. All right. But it's probably a little warmer than normal. All right. So I want to have everybody come up. If they're going, going to get baptized, stand off to the left. All right. And we'll get this thing going here.